Hi, and welcome to PodCash, the portable professional development podcast from Cash. My name is Dawn, and I'm the editor of Cash Alumni, the fastest growing professional network of current and future care and education practitioners. You can join us for free at cashalumni.org.uk and get access to articles from subject specialists, careers advisors, access to job vacancies, and our member benefits scheme. And we're really lucky this week to have a special episode, which is part of a four-part series recorded at Wellfest, um, which was a wellness festival for learning practitioners put together by West Yorkshire Learning Providers and supported by Cash Alumni back in the early summer. WYLP are a regional network established to support and advocate all providers and colleges in the further education and skills sector. In addition, providing a unique provider support service to support providers on their journey to outstanding. For the first in this four-part series, which we'll publish over the next two weeks, we get to listen to Susanna Lawson, who is the CEO and co-founder of OneFile, talking about how she managed to make her own path and how she looks after her own well-being in the day-to-day. Hope you enjoy it. So thank you very much, uh, Alex and the team, for inviting me to speak today. Absolute honour to be uh, invited to speak on the inspirational story because I think, like most other people, you don't sort of see self as inspirational. And I thought I'd end the session with talking about it a little bit because obviously it is Wellfest um, about what I do for my own well-being and sort of look after myself. So. Where to begin? So yeah, so I'm Susanna Lawson. I'm CEO and co-founder of OneFile. For those of you that don't know me, um, just to give you a little bit of background in case you don't know OneFile, it's an edtech platform primarily for post-16 vocational training. So um, we, our customers deliver apprenticeships, BTECs, um, traineeships, employability, any host of bespoke vocational training. Great time for three years in Manchester, you can imagine. Um, came out of university, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew I wanted to sort of work with people and support or help people. So um, I ended up working um, in nursing homes uh, as a carer, which I absolutely adored. Um, And then I went to go and work with adults with learning disabilities in a home in Withenshaw in Manchester. Um, And then when I started there, I was on minimum wage. Obviously I'd graduated, I had my degree. I was about 22 at that point. And I sort of said, well, you know, how do I get a pay rise at this point? And they said, well, you've got to do your NVQ, your National Vocational Level Two in care. So I was really indignant at the time. You know, I got a degree in psychology. How dare you make me do a level two? And very fortunate for me, I had an incredible assessor who made me understand the sort of value and the point of doing vocational training and how it was very different to academic training. Um, for example, you know, just because I'd written a three to five thousand word essay or dissertation on communication doesn't mean that you can actually communicate with people. You might know the theory about it, but can you do it practically? So I soon saw the value in, in that level two. I absolutely adored doing it. I asked to go on to my level three, which was at the time, if you're, if you're as old as me, it was promoting independence at the time. Um, and then I, they asked me to become an assessor for the um, other teams in the house, um, which I did. I then became an IQA. I then seconded to the, I was working for an NHS trust at the time, uh, to their learning and development department. Um, and it was whilst I, there, I was there that I became peripatetic. So I was based from home in Manchester and I'd drive across sort of Greater Manchester, going to the different homes across Greater Manchester. So after a couple of years doing that, I left to go and work with a private training provider who actually delivered apprenticeships. So that was my first sort of point of apprenticeships. And I started delivering apprenticeships in nursing homes. Um, and because it was a um, independent training provider, the sort of geographical region stretched. So my furthest away nursing home was in Lempster. 
um, which is in Shropshire, which is a three hour drive away from where I live in Manchester. And I had to get there for an eight o'clock shift change. So I set up at five in the morning, would drive three hours to get there. I'd turn up and the apprentice would see me and say, oh, I forgot you were coming today. I haven't brought my file in. And I'd be like, what? I've got a six hour round trip and I cannot actually see where you're up to. Or they'd say they've done the work, but they've left the work at home. Um, so I really did start then thinking this can't be right, there has to be a better way of doing it. And then through an absolute chance conversation with my boyfriend, now husband, luckily that's worked out. Um, he was designing websites and databases in our back bedroom, he set up his own company um, and he was doing individual websites for individual people that were wanting. But he's doing quite a lot of work for text, just uh, for, you know, coincidentally enough in Greater Manchester. And I was telling her, you know, I had this vision, if I could build, I could put the competencies online, I could access it in Manchester, the Lempster learners could access it. If they do the work, I could be notified and then I could give them feedback and set them off for something else. And he was like, well, I could build that. And I was like, oh, can you? So we had a real light bulb moment then of, I had the idea of the product and the problem in the in the sector um, and he could actually build it for me. So like I say, off we went on our merry way and we built the product um, through we were then like, well, how, how, how on earth do we get this to market? We have absolutely no idea. Um, and I was with the training provider that I was working with and I was we were developing one file in the background in my spare time. And I was with the director in the lift and we just had a chance conversation. I said, oh, how are you doing? And he said, oh, you guys, I've got an absolute headache. Um, we are building this thing called an e-portfolio with a software company. Um, we have a contract with the Ministry of Defence who have demanded that we have a e-portfolio ready for January. But I've just been told by the software company it's not going to be ready till June and the MOD have threatened to pull the whole contract if I don't have something ready in time. He says, I don't know what to do. So I sort of looked at him and thought, he's joking me. Um, I've built an e-portfolio in my spare time. Would you like to have it in? So they had a look at it and the team absolutely loved it because it had been built from a assessor point of view, an IQA and a manager point of view. And they said, right, okay, we can use it until June until this other product's up to scratch. And then we'll give you a case study, test it for you, et cetera, et cetera. But then we will have to move everybody onto the new product with this, which this other company was producing. And um, all these years later, after about 11 years, they were still using us. Unfortunately, the company lost the contract, but the company that did win the contract um, used one file. Some of the staff have been from the very first day still on using one file, which is, is brilliant. So we built the business after two years. We sort of looked at each other, we were absolutely exhausted and said, Right, we better um, find somebody to help us out here. So we moved out of the back bedroom and we moved into our first offices. Um, and we kind of looked around the office. We've got an eight person office in a, in a tech incubator in Manchester, which we we're incredibly lucky to get. And we said, How the hell are we going to fill this room? <laughs> How are we going to employ enough people, eight, ten people, to fill this room? Um, so we took on our first member of staff, um, again a completely new experience for us, uh, we forgot to pay her in the first month at payday because we'd never done payday before, we'd never done a payroll before, uh, so she sort of came in the next day looking a bit sheepish, I'm really sorry my salary hasn't gone in and we're like oh my goodness so sorry, but and she left soon after because her parents probably said so get out quick, they're a startup, they haven't got any money, but we did have some money, we just hadn't done it before so that you know it's, it's been that kind of learning curve as we've gone on and we also got, and like I said we got married um, in 2005 and we put off having kids I was 29 at the time we put off having children because it's like well 
if I don't go out and do sales, it's not just me that needs, might need to be off work. You know, if I'm not doing sales, there's nothing coming into the household. So what do we do? So we made a decision not to have kids um, for a few years until we had a bit of a team behind us. And it was when we had about nine, um, nine people that we felt comfortable enough and I had an extra salesperson in that I trusted. Um, so had uh, Che, our first son, who's now 10, and he's been 10 in lockdown um, back in 2010. Now I wasn't very maternal. Um, it was kind of like, well, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, oh well, nice holidays, not bothered. Um, but it did happen and Che came along and I was very much of the ilk, oh, don't worry about this, I'll pop him out. I'll be back in a, couple, in a month or so, don't worry, I'll be back in the business. Um, out he came and I was just like, oh my goodness, what is this? I need to be off. I need to be, have time uh, with this baby. So I asked Chris if I could have um, my maternity leave and he, you know, considering, you know, that it's our business, he you know, said that I could have a, you know, take the year maternity leave, which I did, which I loved. Um, but I left the business with nine people in it and I came back a year later with 19. It had massively grown in that year. I kind of joked that it took 10 people to do the job that I was doing, but in the, during that year, smartphones came out, iPads came out, technology was flourishing. So obviously it was moving from early adopter phase into sort of more of the mainstream for people to use technology. Um, I came back into the business and I just didn't recognize the business myself. I'd, been, I'd popped in the odd time with the baby for lunch with Chris, and, but I hadn't sort of got to know. And there was 10 new people in my business that I didn't know anything about really. Um, and I overheard somebody say, two of the newbies talking, I overheard them, they didn't know I was sort of there. And one of them said, who is she? And the other one said, oh, it's the boss's wife. And I was absolutely devastated. My confidence was already at an all time low, but to hear she's the boss's wife, like, joint shareholder, I'm joint co-founder, I'm not the boss's wife, I, you know, we are between us. Um, so it really was a wake up call for me that about being a leader of a business, about how you need to be visible, about how you need to be seen. And yes, I did need that time off, but I could have taken more time as those new starters started to get to know them and introduce myself um, during that year. So that, and we had a big chat, Chris and I then, in, again, because again, when I left first time, there probably wasn't a need for roles as such. Everyone walked in and did a bit of everything. I was a bit of sales, a bit of operations, a bit of marketing, obviously, but as the business grew, we need to have our roles. And that's when Chris said that he, that um, I should be sort of out there networking, chatting to people and getting the brand known externally. So, so that, that was back in 2011, I came back into the business. Um, on the back of that, we were very fortunate enough to um, be accepted on the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program, which was a massive game changer because what it also gave me was a network of other business owners that I didn't have. Um, it's been very hard sort of chatting to family and friends about the challenges that I've had in the business when they've sort of not experienced what I'm going through. So they, they have become very, very good friends of mine. And that was a bit of a game changer for us. I felt that up until that point, we were more of a fledgling company. We didn't really know what we were doing. Um, but having been on that program, we started putting a lot more structure into place. We started employing people that were better than Chris and I, uh, which has become incredibly important over the year. We are now 82 staff. We joined that that, that office space as two and we moved out as 80. Um, so that, that was really interesting. Uh, we've moved into the city centre of Manchester. Um, we are. I, I, I feel like I understand where my weaknesses are and I feel like I understand where I am not strong at 
and therefore I recruit people around me who are much better than me at what I can't do. So let me do what I'm good at and then somebody else can come in and help me do the other bits that I need help with. And I think that's incredibly important. And we've actually done a Savile Wave profile um, with all the directors to see where our strengths and our weaknesses and where our motivations are. And what's been brilliant is we're completely different is amazing because I do believe in having a diverse team around you there's no point having five of me sat around with me all having exactly the same ideas because we've all had the same experience in life um, I love as Alex and uh, Kelly know going out networking meeting new people so let me go out and do that but I'm not a you know a details person I will do it I'm good at it but I don't enjoy it so don't make me do it if I can find someone else to do that for me um, so it's been it's been a bit of an eye opener actually when we did that last week and we, we sort of looked at each other's and it was really good fun actually because we had to identify who each other was from the profile and see if we could guess. Um, back in 2017, we won the Queen's Award for Innovation, which is uh, one of the biggest business awards you can be um, awarded. Uh, basically, anybody in that year who achieves it deserves to achieve it. So it's not like an award ceremony that we normally know where the best person wins at the end of the night and there's only one winner. Um, anybody that applies for it, if you're worthy that year, then you get credited it. So that, I mean, that was a phenomenal turnaround and a phenomenal achievement for the business. Uh, we've won CIPD, People Management uh, of the Year, which again, I was incredibly uh, pleased about and happy and proud about. SAS Business of the Year. Um, I've actually won uh, Businesswoman of the Year um, at the Forward Ladies and also the Pink Ladies. And we've I've just been, well, before lockdown, I was shortlisted for the Institute of Directors Equality and Diversity Director Awards, which uh, is something that I'm incredibly passionate about. And I do a lot of talk about equality and diversity, both in the apprenticeship and FE world, but also in tech and in business. It's something that is, is it's uh, something I'm really, really passionate about. What what do I do for my own well-being? So, one thing I always have done is I've always had something in my diary to to look forward to whether that's a, a weekend away with the girls, a holiday, even before I've done the next one, there's something else in. And that's been really important to me. And that is something that I have really struggled with during lockdown. You could have things in your diary, but you don't know 100% if you're gonna get to get in. You know, as the months of the weeks and the months have gone by, delete, that didn't happen, delete, that didn't happen. All those things that I was looking forward to. So that is something that I've always said. I, I once somebody asked me for my advice about getting married and I said, well, after the honeymoon, make sure you've got a short break planned for a couple of months time. <laughs> if you have a big drop after the high of getting married, you know, have something else in there to look forward to. So I always, always have something like that. To the extent that even during this lockdown, me and some girlfriends have booked a week in Ibiza next May. It might be a bit foolish, but it was just, I can't physically cope or mentally cope if I don't, even if it's a year away, at least I know it's there. Um, I love my spa days. I, I, I love a good hot tub. <laughs> I love, uh, but, you know, I love especially a glass of prosecco in the hot tub with the girls having a chat. That that is that will always lift my soul whenever that um, I can do that. I love uh, Alex knows I love my music. Um, I normally have a music festival or a gig. That's one of my things that I will always have. I should have been going to Mad Cool in uh, Madrid for the third time in July, but obviously that's been cancelled. So again, I always have some kind of music or you know live music that I look forward to. Um, exercise, interesting. So I am not. I've never been an exerciser. So all these people that love their running, love their you know all these people that were doing 10ks and park runs. I have never ever got into running. Even when I was at school, when I was you know I was captain of the netball team and the hockey team, I just didn't do running. Um, so that, I don't know those that follow me on Twitter. So 
a year ago in New Year's Eve, a, a good friend of mine, I, I did like swimming though, so a good friend of mine was doing a, a year of challenges for her mum that passed away a long time ago. Um, and so she said um, she was doing a four and a half K swim in a lake in Wales and did I want to do it with her? And I was like, do you know what? I don't do any exercise at all. If I am going to do some kind of challenge, it would probably be swimming because that is something that I don't mind doing. I'm not a great swimmer, but I don't mind doing it. Um, so yeah, so I built up over that. Um, so it's, I had six months to train, built up in a pool. And I absolutely smashed it in the pool, loved it in the pool, built up my stamina, built up my lengths. I, I couldn't swim before I started. I couldn't even sort of do um, one, two lengths front crawl. But I was told that you're gonna have to do front crawl in a open water, it's much better, blah, blah, blah. So I taught myself how to swim. And in, in my swimming pool, local bass, it was 200 lengths of front crawl. So I built up from being able to do two lengths to 200 lengths. And then I went into outdoor. I, I um, uh, had to go and do it in a lake and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. I, actually, I, I had a panic attack. It was just petrifying. It was just, I just felt I couldn't breathe. I felt the wetsuit was strangling me. Um, it was just putting my head down in the water and swimming. It was like walking through fog. And then every so many seconds you'd lift your head up, you could see, and then you're putting yourself, it would be like walking blind. If you imagine you're walking blind, it was horrid. So I went for a few more times because I thought, well, I've got to do it got to the point where I didn't hate it I just sort of I, I don't, it's not the worst experience I've ever had so and then I absolutely smashed the swim on the day it was absolutely brilliant um so obviously I've not been able to swim during lockdown so after a month of lockdown I think we got to Easter and I was thinking oh goodness I really could do with some exercise even though I hated exercise before so fortunately we've got a rowing machine in our cellar it's not the most pleasant cellar it's damp and horrible it's not it's not, it's not like at a gym um, so I've started rowing during this time and, and that does, it, I, I quite like the monotony, uh, monotony is a word I can't say, of just pounding the lengths or doing the row. I don't, I like just having the music and being able to shut off. I think my mind works 10 to the dozen all the time, including when I'm sleeping. Um, I like just being able to shut off and just count what I'm doing and just get into that routine, whether for that's 30 minutes, an hour or whatever that is. So I've got into that. Um, I've also got into taking cold showers recently. Um, so the last three or four weeks, I'll find the link um, and I'll put it in the chat box. Um, a guy called Herb Kim um, put on Twitter a few weeks ago. Um, I can't remember what I said. Oh, I said about swimming in the lake. I thought it was a year ago since the anniversary. And Herb is a um, Herb is the the guy that organises TED Talks Manchester, TED Talks Newcastle, TED Talks Liverpool. Um, so he's met some inspirational speakers and he was saying that he's not taking, he's had cold showers for the last couple of years. So I was like, oh, is that through choice or because you don't have a boiler or what is that? So he sent me this link to this guy who um, takes cold showers, ice cold showers. And this guy is saying for his well-being, he feels he's a lot fitter, he's a lot healthier, he's able to control his breathing. I'll put the link in the chat afterwards. But I watched it. And he says he's able to feel he, he's not been ill as well during that time as well. So, and he's able to control getting ill. I'm not 100% on that bit, but in the video, there is a bit about where he's able, they inject this guy with some kind of infection and he's able to fight it. And they say, oh, you're obviously a bit of a freak being able to do that. So he bought sort of 12 people that he's trained these techniques to and all 12 of them fought the, fought the infection and didn't get ill. Um, so I just thought that was really, so I just thought, well, you know, while it's hot, while it's nice, I'm rowing in the morning, I'm sweaty, uh, cold shower. So I've sort of been building myself up to that. Um, when you first started out, what were your main, um, what were people's main hesitations? Because it has taken people quite a while to get on the tech portfolio 
train. So what were the kind of people's hesitations or concerns with going to a tech or e-portfolio platform? So right back in the day, it was, yeah, the main thing was, what if our students don't have access to the internet? Um, but yeah, very much at one far, we have a, um, a, a a term that we use now. I went to Berlin um, for, um, I was very lucky to go to some of the tech, best tech companies in Berlin last year. And they use a term called disagree and commit, which Amazon use as well. And basically you can debate a change or a decision, but once the decision has been made, you commit to that decision. So if the decision is tech, you debate it, you decide we are going to use tech and everybody 100% commits and gets behind that decision. Because if you don't and you've got somebody in the background going, well, I know it's not going to work, da, 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 and then they start pulling everybody else down to that force of negativity, it isn't going to work. And then at the end, they'll go, told you so, told you that technology wasn't going to work. Um, so, so yeah, very much. Um, I that, yeah. And also, I think it's got to be led from so where we've seen it successful in big organizations it will be the principal or the vice principal in the college or the ceo um, of a training provider that goes Do you know what we're using this technology and everybody is going to use it sorry Alex. yeah we've all had to work on lot so, and everyone's had to figure it out so now is the time to respond to getting digital isn't it because you've oh, just talked i love that no, no talking Facebook, I love that response because no one did. We just got it one day and started using it, didn't we? Just like they, they could do with any other. Yeah, nobody taught us how to use Amazon or anything else on yeah, Netflix. Yeah. You just, we just figured it out, didn't we? Geniuses, yeah. we didn't know it. And is it, what, what's next for you in terms of a challenge? You do like a challenge or a gig or a festival or a travel? Um, oh, goodness, I haven't even thought about that. I've just been trying to get myself out of lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody knows when we're allowed to travel again, do we? I guess. Exactly. Um, what am I looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to both kids being back at school. Hopefully in September, that'll just be a weight off. The, the youngest is. We've <laughs> got yet another one, a feral one who's six, that has been an absolute nightmare during lockdown. It has not been the easiest time at all trying to run a business and have a six-year-old feral child. Um, what am I looking forward to? Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing my. Uh, well, my mum lives next door. My mum and dad. Um, so I'm looking forward to give, obviously giving them a hug and seeing my sister. But challenge-wise, don't know. Let me have a think. I, I do. I do need something. Yeah, I do need something to look forward to. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> something in the diary. Look forward to. Uh, well, that was amazing. Thank you so much, Susanna. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, I hope it's useful for people. Thanks to Alex and West Yorkshire Linen Providers for hosting this episode, and thanks to you at home. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Podcash. Don't forget, for more great content tailored to everyone in the care and education sectors, you can join our membership network, cashalumni.org.uk. It's free to join and you'll get access to articles from subject specialists, careers advice, job vacancies and our member benefits scheme. WYLP offer a range of membership options to suit all, so if you'd like further information on how they can support you, you can head over to their website www.wylp.org.uk for more information. If you'd like to feature on a future episode of Podcash, please get in touch with us through the contact details on the Cash Alumni website. Until next time, take care.